Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by TeachingBooks.net. I have been using Teaching Books ever since starting teaching about 16 years ago. They have been a website that I've come to know and trust as a curation tool for authors and their interviews and their resources for their books, and they are just incomparable in our field to teachers of readers. So teachingbooks.net strives to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at teachingbooks.net. The idea of listening and being in nature and... um, using your senses how that's all kind of where we are right now and um, mindfulness this is the children's book podcast episode number 648 i'm your host matthew winner we're on patreon at patreon.com slash matthew c winner if you want to support the show today i'm joined by kathy camper author of 10 ways to hear snow illustrated by canard pack A child heads out across a newly snow-laden neighborhood to visit her grandmother at an assisted living home and notes the sounds of snow along the way. The child prepares grape leaves with her grandmother, as is a tradition and bond in their relationship. But her grandmother is also losing her eyesight, and so the child wants to make sure she collects as much of the snow through memory or experience as she can. Kathy's best known for her Lowriders graphic novel series. In her debut picture book, she attempts to capture the feeling that perhaps you have experienced too, of waking up in the morning and seeing that the whole world has changed. Kathy also wants to tie her Arab-American and Midwest roots into this story, centering Arab-American kids just doing regular stuff but also in a very deliberate setting of a Midwest neighborhood as a means of breaking stereotypes for readers who may have a different idea in their head when they consider stories of Arab Americans. This is definitely one to make sure you don't miss. Please welcome my guest, Kathy Camper, author of 10 Ways to Hear Snow. Hi, this is Kathy Camper. 
and my pronouns are she and her. And I'm the author of the Lowriders in Space series, and I wrote another book called Bugs Before Time. And just this fall, I have a new picture book out called Ten Ways to Hear Snow. Welcome back to the podcast, Kathy Camper. Yay! It's so fun to be here. <laughs> I think it is it is no secret what a fan I am of Lowriders and of you and Raul. I, I've loved your comics for a good long time, and I'm so grateful that, that we have had many opportunities to connect. I got to say, though, this picture book, Ten Ways to Hear Snow, is gorgeous. I'm, I'm oh, I feel honored to have gotten a chance to read it. I'm so glad that that you shared it with all of us. Congratulations on a on a new book out. Oh, it feels fun. And it's um, really interesting because it's a whole different demographic than Lowriders. <laughs> yeah, <and> it is. <laughs> <laughs> almost the exact opposite in a lot of ways. Age, look, um, the the interactions. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an exquisite book. Kennard Pack uh, has been on the show too um, and, and makes gorgeous art i mean just like beautiful exceptional work and to see to see his hand on on snow on how do you make a a a primarily white thing landscape look appealing and he does he just it's a it's a beautiful book it's it's a beautiful marriage i should say between your words and his art it's it's wonderful do you want to talk a little bit about what what this book is for folks that haven't read it yet yeah so it's a story about a little girl named lena and it comes from my background which is arab american and also um of growing up in the midwest where snow was pretty much half of your year in wisconsin and minnesota um and she wakes up and it's snowed. And to me, that that was always um, a kind of breathtaking thing when you wake up in the morning and the whole world has changed. You know, it's um, and and when it's unexpected, it's even more sort of like, wow, you know, everything I plan to do is going to be different. And her plan was to go to her grandma's house to make grape leaves, to roll up grape leaves. And she decides to go do it even though her parents are like are you sure you want to go out in the snow so she's walking to her grandma her cities and her grandma is losing her eyesight and she lives in assisted living so lena as she goes through the snow thinks about how to hear the snow instead of how to see it so there's lots of different snow sounds and then um, when she gets to her grandma's, they have a cozy time making the grape leaves and kind of horsing around. And then her her grandma also adds a way that she that she hears snow at the very end. So um, it's um, to me every time I read it, I feel like I'm literally opening the door and walking out into that snowscape, <laughs> you know. I was mentioning to you before we were recording that I've been reading this book to children and it's it's been just so beautiful that this book is one of those books that has a way of quieting us down too, mm-hmm. right? It is a quiet book. It's a book about listening, which means that we have to stop talking if we're going to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that, I mean, I... Granted, Kathy, I know that I work with a special group of children. They are really lovely and passionate. 
but I mean class after class today, they were clapping after I had finished reading the book, and they were excited to talk about how they hear snow. And I just thought, what a gift to have a book that is giving us this opportunity too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We're, we're going to talk probably in circles around this book because there were just so many things that I kept coming back to that I loved, but I want to maybe from the outset, just to say the way that you bookend the story, the way that you open the story and close it. I'm a fan of, of studying picture book format and uh-huh. you have a wonderful opening and closing line that talk to each other. I love ah, that. Uh-huh. Was that intentional from the start? Did you, when you, I guess maybe I should back up further and just say, say, what were you thinking about when you were making this book? Well, this book, it's funny because I started this book years ago, like way before Lowriders. Uh, and I, I had this, I read another author and an artist that have said the same thing. And maybe Matthew, you, you might testify too, but they, um, that, that a lot of times the things that you work on really hard aren't the things that get the attention and the stuff that you're kind of like, Oh, that, you know, that becomes the big thing. So this was something that I had in my notebook and I, you know, I'd kind of work on it and then I'd, you know, and, and so finally when I had an agent, I said, well, I'll send it to her and see, you know, what she thinks. And it sold in a couple of weeks, like really fast. It, it, it attracted interest. So, um, I, to me, it was kind of like a poem. You know, like like every word had to count. So I can't really tell you exactly about the beginning and end because it was over so much time, sort of, that I was thinking sure. about it. But um, I think also I had a lot of fun thinking about how you write a sound. And, and I think I encourage kids to think about that, too. And it's something that I talked about that you definitely use in comics, you know, like... Like, like, how do you describe the sound of your boot crunching in snow? And how is that different from the way so, snow found, sounds when it, like, falls off a branch, you yeah. know? Um, and th- the thing is, there's no, I mean, we have some sounds like plop that, that we use or splash that are pretty standardized. But you could go for a splash. You could go sploof you know, and, and write it SPLF or something like that. And when you're um, doing it in a comic book, even the way you write the word, you know, on the page, it can even show kind of what the sound is doing. Like I use the example of a creaky door where you go creak and it's all stretched out, you know, the, and wiggly and gets bigger it. and I can picture right. it in a comic. Sure. Right, right. right. So, um, here. You know, people people are like, well, how does this book relate to the lowriders? And I'm like, well, sound is a big thing, and 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 just your senses in general, you know. But but in in all the books I write, I have a, a good imagination for thinking up um, how sounds would be, and it and it's and it's fun, you know. So um, one thing I ask kids even kind of little kids is like when you draw a picture, think about putting the sound effects 
in with the picture, you know, like don't just draw somebody walking. Think about, you know, clunk, clunk, clunk or, or whatever, because it's, it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, and I think too, to try to describe a snow memory or any memory as that as it is, but a snow memory by sound mm-hmm. is a really neat activity. That's what we ultimately ended up doing, my students and I, um, is that we were doing it either sound first and then describing what the thing is or describing what the memory is and giving us the sound. But, uh, for example, I love you have walking down the street as, and I'm sure that I'm reading it differently from the way you read it because, you know, we are putting on, as you do in comics too, we put on our own experience. We lay the veil of our own experience over top of what we're reading. Yeah. Um, but I love that as Lena walks down the street, what I hear is snack, snick, snook. And I can just sort of hear the way that for me, every footstep is the same, but it's not the same. It's just slightly right. different. And that, that's how I read the the sound that you write there. And, and, and it has been fun reading this book multiple times and sort of, really trying to inhabit the sound. And I think that it's a special thing to have a book that has sounds in it that that really, as part of the theater of the story, asks the reader to, to try, try to make this sound as real as you hear it, because this experience is as real as you hear it. Right. And I think uh, you did the, the, the boots even better than me, probably. But but I think also to people listening to this podcast sounds, you know, they work really well on radio. And 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 um, when you're listening to something um, and we kind of forget that because we don't I mean, we listen to podcasts. I guess there's been a resurgence. But when you think in the old days when they had radio plays and they had all those sound effects that they'd have. Right. Um, it kind of goes along with that. Um, an- another thing that I wanted to mention, um, when I was writing this, like like one thing that, that has made me sad is there's very few books about Arab American kids just doing regular stuff. And so one of the things that um, I really wanted to do was show an Arab family in snow because some of the biggest Arab population is around Dearborn, Michigan and Detroit. But if you look in the library for kids' books about Arabs, it's always with the desert and camels. <laughs> I mean, I've never lived in the desert with camels. So um, I, I wanted to show, to break through some of the stereotypes that we're not always aware are there. And one of them is people's locations. And also, um, I, I, you know, um, with both the illustrator and my editor said, it's really important that this looks like the Midwest and not the East Coast. Because with most of the publishing houses being in New York, oftentimes when we see any ethnicity, it's shown in New York City. And that wipes out so many cultures, you know, in, in the U.S. that are vibrant and exciting and, you know, but but their own uh, sort of regionalism about New York City means that that's what you often see. So um, 
I was really excited to work with Kennard and that he, I sent him a lot of pictures of things that, you know, I remembered in our house growing up and a lot of that he incorporated it. So I feel like it's a true experience and not just sort of like, oh, let's just paint anything and put it in here. It's the gift-giving season, and our friends at Libro.fm are helping to make sure you and the readers in your life enjoy the latest and best audiobooks out there. I am a huge audiobook fan. It is the primary way that I get through middle grade and YA nowadays, and I am always listening to a book. So... This is why I want to make sure you are aware of Libro.fm, the audiobook service that also directly supports independent bookstores. And I've got a wonderful code for you so you can jumpstart your reading life this new year with some great audiobooks. Get two audiobook credits for the price of one when you enter promo code WINNER at checkout. That's my last name, W-I-N-N-E-R. Or purchase a 3, 6, or 12-month gift membership for yourself or your favorite reader before January 1st, 2021, and enjoy credits to use on any of Libro FM's 150,000 audiobooks, regardless of price, 30% off additional audiobooks, expert recommendations from booksellers, and more. When you buy a 12-month Libro.fm gift membership, Libro.fm will be passing half of what you spend along to the bookstore of choice, meaning bookstores get $90 for every 12-month gift membership. So, really, there's no better choice for your reader in your life this holiday season. I love my Libro.fm. I've been a member for several years, and now I want to make sure you are aware and join up, too. Treat yourself or your loved ones to a Libro.fm membership this year. Use the link in the show notes and happy listening. He's done an exceptionally beautiful job. I'm so glad to hear from you that you also feel feel like it rings true of, of Michigan, of those neighborhoods, of those snows. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and also mm. I had um, from his initial sketches, I, I um, the, the the people didn't look Arab, so I sent him pictures of um, he had drawn the people very tall and slender, and I'm like, no, we're pretty much more short and stocky, you know. So then <laughs> he he adjusted that, and um, it it's it's just little things like that 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 you don't always realize. But um, I think that, that that's one of the exciting ways that picture books and kids' books are changing because we're seeing more than just, you know, sort of the same setting and the same people. Um, the, I, I also... Oh, oh, I was just, just going to say... Vague, mm, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I love the way that the, the neighborhoods look. I love the way the houses are spaced, the way the, the different colors of the houses and the the these wide streets that are tree lined there there was something in that that felt it just felt like i mean like you're saying it doesn't feel like east coast it doesn't feel it feels like i don't know it just it feels known so it makes sense to me that you were showing 
him a lot of photos and I'm sure he was studying as well. Yeah, And I was looking, you know, uh, well, I grew up in Wisconsin, but I was the, the, his pictures kind of remind me of Ohio and Detroit. Um, and that's where I was sending from Arab neighborhoods pictures. And, um, he, I also sent a picture of my aunt and he based the, um, who had died recently and he based the grandma on my aunt and my my aunt was a nun who taught English. And I, I was lucky to read her this script, you know, the year before she died. So I really, I, she had a great sense of humor and I think she would find it just wonderful, but she's sort of living on and connecting with kids that way, you know? So, um, I, I feel like this book has a lot of my own um, history or, or family in it. The the structure of the story itself to take us for what's really half of the book through the snow, listening, listening to a point that, I mean, I I personally quite lost myself just listening to the snow and watching who Lena ran into next or what she heard. But by the time we reached... The, the grandmother's house, Siti's house, uh, I, I realized, oh, we still have like half the book to go. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. and, and the time we get with her is so intimate that I think the two sides of the book in that way um, are, are they're, they're really beautiful and symmetrical in such a way that she's gathering all of these sounds on her way to her grandmother's house. And it's also very, very clear that she's gathered so many memories and sort of habits and traditions from her grandma, that, that grandma's waiting for her. They're going to make these grape leaves. They're going to do these, these, this, this habit that they have of getting together. Uh, I, I found it really beautiful and wonderful that they're like taking selfies together with the grape <laughs> leaves as like mustaches and grandma's doing this tough guy voice. There, there was just, it was, it was, I don't know. It's something that just felt really different, Kathy, than many of the other books I've read. To have a story that feels like it's a story about listening to the sounds that snow makes remind us that, no, this is a story that we, we gather these these experiences and memories expressly so that we can share them with others and so that uh, we can be shaped point. by them, right? Right. Well, and another, some other stereotypes, I, um, having a lot of elderly people in my family, I've been in so many assisted living places and, and, you know, to to assess them, to go visit people. And yet we don't see that in kids books a lot. There's still that stereotype of like, you know, old folks that live down on the farm and still live in their own house. And that is blatantly untrue in our lives and and so that was another thing I wanted to show but to also show that in those settings I, I liked how Kennard showed when you come in there's people hanging around yes. and they're all kind of excited that here's this little girl arriving and um and there's a lady know, in the that, lobby that recognizes you right right and and so th- that that was kind of an important thing I I just felt like there's ways that we can, you know, change what kids see that's more real to our own lives, but without being negative or something. And yeah. um, I also, 
Another thing I thought a lot about, and I think this is a kind of intrinsic part of me, is that growing up in in cold environments, I always I love that feeling of sort of you're outside and it's cold and maybe wintry and maybe dark, but then you come in and there's that warm, cozy feeling, like that contrast. Mm. And I think this book kind of captures it. And it's not like the being outside is bad because that's exciting and um you know, you're, you're in nature, but then you can come in and be with warm friends and people and share. Um, so there's something about that contrast that I, that I, I find really, I really like it in stories, you know, like even if you think of fairy tales, you know, kind of like they, they have all these conquests and sort of scary things, but then there's also that part where they connect and there's coziness and, um, you know, they, they, um, they, they're saved or there's a re- resolution, sort yeah. of. Well, yeah. Canard walks us right across the page with your words, uh, on that one spread where, where Lena first, you know, knocks on the door to grandma's house and then steps in and we just have these four beats of her shedding her coat and her scarf and just going straight into the arms of her grandmother. Yeah. It's, it's really sweet, but it, it is exactly that. I mean, it, you're talking about warmth, not just clearly walking into a space that is warm and a literal here's the radiator that that is a warm object right but she goes from you know jacket on top of this warm object my body to this other warm object (laughs) yeah yeah it's sweet it's just ah, i don't know it's just great i like i even love like i'm nerding out over the there's that one page too where where you really give the reader or canard really gives the reader a chance to see like here's here's what the grape leaves are. Here's what we're eating. Um, here's, um, you know, the leaf spread out and the lamb and the rice put in it and wrapped, uh, and then, um, you know, steamed. It was just, it's, it's just a little, what do you call it? It's like a little, um, like procedural page yeah, <laughs> leading yeah, into no, eating. No. It's just cute. And that, yeah, no, that was kind of my plan because I, it's, uh, like, like, traditionally and for me making grape leaves was always something the women did and and you know like my my female relatives but like the little kids when I was growing up we'd be sent out to pick the grape leaves and then the rolling I mean it's it's time um consuming (laughs) uh, but it but it's like a special dinner so uh Usually you would eat the grape leaves in June, but if you were eating them in the winter, you probably would have frozen the grape leaves or, or you could buy them in a jar, you know, because mm. um, so it, it but having um, Lebanese food was always a special meal, like something we would have on a birthday or just um, at Christmas time. So so having it in a snowstorm felt special, too. Well, and I love that you go from this is how we make them. To the next spread is is we were talking before about the grandma and and Lena holding them up in front of their faces like yeah. mustaches. So it's almost like it doesn't break that we do have this procedural making of thing, but also it's a habit of ours to play. That's the right. sense I got from there because it, you wouldn't have gotten grandma just like picking up and doing this. I don't think unless there was a habit, a relationship, a tradition there of like, and this is the time that we play, and then we will eat them. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, when um, I, I think that that's, uh, that's another thing that I felt really strongly is that we, we rarely see Arabs being playful. You know, mm. it's always either sort of negative stereotypes or kind of serious books like about religion or, um, you know, the um, some, like conflict because of the conflicts in the Middle East. And to see books where Arabs are having fun and being goofy and stuff, I think that's really important. So, um, and, and it certainly was part of my family. So. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive podcast merch, including stickers, book totes, and more by visiting MatthewCWinner.com. Like we always, when we made grape leaves, it was funny. My original text had us pretending they're cigars because that's what we would like to do. But then they said, well, you can't have smoking in kids' books. And I was like, really? Like I couldn't believe that some kid would start smoking because they, you know, they read this picture book where you pretend <laughs> to have a stogie that's a, a grape leaf. But, but you know, as kids, that was almost part of making them was all that horsing around. So um, it, it was just natural to put it in the book. The mustaches work really well. I don't even know, thinking of that, we used to play as as I was a child, we used to play all the time as if we were smoking things. Not that I grew up smoking. That was just a thing, probably because it was on so much media, movies, shows, whatever we watched. That was just something that you did. But come to think of it, like my kids, whatever they watch, they don't have that that go-to for play because that's not what they see on on TV. So playing with a fake mustache is, I think, a very... Very yeah, easy no, going I mean, to. <laughs> I also had that, that maybe for for th- this generation, they don't have those same connotations that we did. So, no, of course, uh, but but it worked just as well. Kathy, do you mind? We've talked a, an awful lot about the thoughtful and intentional art, and also these different beats in story to make sure that that we're giving a chance to show. Uh, one depiction, at least, of Arab Americans that is not how um, Arab Americans have typically been portrayed or maybe stereotypically over and over been portrayed in books. But I've noticed that we haven't had a chance to spend more time with your text. I'm wondering if I could read an excerpt of your text to you. Sure. Wonderful. I, the, the piece that I wanted to read um, does come at the end, and I, I'll, I'll be respectful of, of not surprising an ending for anyone, but I, I do find this end part very sweet. So Lena and CT are sitting at the table. We've now played with mustaches. We're now about to eat. Um, and we're making this connection and uh, Lena starts, CT, did you know we had a blizzard last night? Of course. Lena was surprised. How could her grandma know when she couldn't see very well? And then she heard a noise. Trip, trip, went the mittens. It was the sound of snow melting nine ways to hear snow. Suddenly, Lena understood how Siti knew. Siti, did you hear the snow? Siti smiled. Each morning, I open the window and listen. Today, everything sounded hushed and soft. No noise is the sound that means it's snowing. 
<laughs> I love that line. No noise is the sound that means it's snowing. You have a line like that in the beginning where you where you say, um, where is the, here it is. Um, I wonder if this is how CT feels, Lena thought. The world sounded softer, but the noises she heard were clearer. I was like, oh my word. I mean, I know that you grew up in the Midwest. I get it, Kathy. But <laughs> to hear you describe those moments were, it was so evocative to me. It took me immediately to really any time in the snow, but especially to the times uh, when I was a young boy walking to school in the snow in central Pennsylvania. Uh, so that, yeah, it's pretty close to Ohio. And um, it it's funny, somebody sent me something in, on my Facebook page, like they posted a meme that said, um, what was it, that, that there actually is scientific evidence about that, that something about the, when it's snowing, the snowflakes, was it attenuate? I can't remember, like they wow. used that word, and I was like, I can't, I don't quite know what that means. But it's it's like they, they muffle the sound. Because if you think of all these things falling through the air, the sound yep. waves, I think, can't go out the way they normally would. And so there there is a change in the sound when it's snowing. And, and I've always found that you know, it, it, it is like it's muffled, but there's sort of a quality of being able to hear things more clearly, too, in a way. Um, it's and, yeah. yeah, I feel yeah. like you saying it, reading that line, there's no way that people listening who have experienced snow don't know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And it's sort of yeah. the greatest thing about snow is that well, the two things that the surprise, there's nothing better than going to bed, not knowing and waking up and there's almost that glow from outside your window. And you're like, what right. is going on? And because the snow is so reflective of even the moon's light um, to, to wake up and to just see everything in an untouched blanket of snow is just, I mean, you're really hitting on a lot of uh, emotional memories for me and I'm sure many many readers but 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 more so just I mean Kathy you made such a beautiful book and I'm so glad to hear that it sounds like all of those details you were hoping would be there and right and noticed about your family and your experiences are are here and it's it's just yeah. a beautiful book Coquila everyone over there really helped to make uh, this this a beautiful thing for us to enjoy, and that that starts with you. So thank you for that, Kathy. Oh, thank you. And I, you know what? I even like what they wrote on the back, which is when the world grows quiet, we learn to listen. Oh, I and... love that. I don't have a finished copy. I only have the uh, oh. the the um arc, the digital arc. So I have like the digital arc doesn't even the digital arc starts with the title page. So I didn't even you know it doesn't have the cover on it. Oh, I know the yeah. cover from knowing the cover from you sharing it with me. But no, oh, I can't wait to 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 hold it and to and see. Then, I don't know if did you get the did you get the title page? Because no, that the leaves, was with the leaves, um, yeah. organized like a like a snowflake. Oh my word, yeah. that's so beautiful. Like that was to me when I saw that, I was really touched because yeah. that was like a little surprise, and it was such a clever way for Kennard to tie the two concepts, like a snowflake and then the all the grape leaves. It's beautiful. I mean, the whole thing just. It works in a way that just feels like, I mean, not in any way to, to, to 
simplify the the incredible work that you did making this and that he did making this this book just feels easy mm. it feels yeah. you know in, in that just so way and i think that uh, knowing canard's work he has a an easy touch with his art that just they you know when those editors matched your words with his art it was it was a very resonant choice it's such a beautiful yeah job. yeah no he he he's so good with landscapes you know mm -hmm. i i just love looking through his books and when when they first chose him i was looking at his art online and i saw a drawing he did of a little girl and i had this pang inside me where i thought that's me and it was so <laughs> weird because it made me realize how i hadn't seen myself when i was a kid in books in the way that that you know his drawings were evocative so um right away i was like this will be a good book <laughs> yeah oh it's wonderful i'm i'm so grateful for all that you poured into it for all that you shared here for us to notice those details and just for oh thanks for it you know existing in the world and and to to have a mirror held up that wasn't held up for some kids before i'm glad that you were able to move the needle in that way that's awesome oh, well i'm starting to hear also on social media and teachers are writing me that it is you know resonating like i like a, a bunch of adults who are arab said you know i started reading this and it made me cry or it oh. touched my heart <laughs> and um you know i'm hearing from teachers that serve arab kids so i it's crazy with pandemics you know that we can't do school visits really, but I hope that maybe next year I'll be able to, to actually interact with kids more, yeah. you know? Well, for the time being, why don't I invite you to share a message to those readers, to those students, uh, to those listening, as well as to, to those that I will literally see. Um, and I'll close this way that Kathy, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes, I would say to everybody to um, we have a whole winter ahead of us. So if you're around snow, listen to the snow and, and think up your own ways to describe those noises. And if you don't have snow, just listen to what's around you. It might be outside. It might be when you're lying in bed before you wake up and, and you know, identify the sounds and think how you would describe them, because um, I find that very calming and also it kind of places me where I am. You know, it makes me start thinking about what's going on around me and things that I might not be paying attention to very much. <laughs> the Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner, and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that 
is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.